Welcome to the River Downstream, our podcast. This episode was recorded on April 2nd, and there are no announcements this week. So over to Pastor Dale with the fifth and final installment, Extend, of our Big E series. All right, uh, welcome back. Welcome to the uh, final session on uh, the Big E series. We have in front of us uh, what these E's have been from expose, embrace, engage, and equip. And uh, today for now for extend as a way to kind of provide a bit of a recap as to where we've been. Um, the video that I put out in the middle of the, the week last week perhaps recaps it all. So let's just take a, a short watch of uh, this video and um, then we'll carry on from there. To become a drummer, my son was first exposed to drumming through his friend at school. And through that friend, my son embraced the idea of drumming himself. And so he engaged in drumming by purchasing his own set. If I am honest, my son was not very good at drumming when he first started. He needed lessons to continue to engage in drumming. For simplicity's sake, let me say that he needed drumsticks and he needed to learn how to use those drumsticks. The same is true for being a Christ follower. We are first exposed to God like my son was to drumming. We then embrace Jesus like my son embraced the idea of becoming a drummer. We then instinctively engage in following Christ the way my son engaged in drumming. It is only after we engage that we discover that we need to be better equipped. We need to be equipped in how to live out our calling. We need to be equipped in how to live with good character. We need to be equipped in how to live in community. We need to be equipped in how to live within our culture. We began to engage in all those areas, only to discover we could use a little more help. As Christ followers, we are first exposed to God and invited to embrace Jesus and His teachings. We instinctively engage with what God is already doing in the world. And as we do, we seek to become better at engaging in the Kingdom of God here on Earth. And the beauty of all this is that as we do each of these aspects, we are already extending the Kingdom of God's invitation out for others to join in. This message has been brought to you by the letter E and sponsored by the River Community Church. All right, so that's where we've been, and in essence, that's a bit of a quick preview as to where we're going. I invite you to turn to Acts 8 um, in the Bibles in front of you. Um, or in the uh, Bible in your app. So if you wouldn't mind, Acts 8, we're going to be kind of going through that a little bit. Um, but before we do, with the Word of God open before us, let's take a moment to pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, we pause here in the middle of this service and we just give you thanks for uh, the journey that you have called us on. We thank you for bringing up, uh, us up to this point in our lives and in the, the life of the, the River Community Church as well. Lord, today, um, as we uh, look at uh, what your word has to say to us, I pray that uh, you would encourage us, that you would comfort us, that you would guide us, that you would nudge us, that you would challenge us, all those things, for however it is that you wish to speak these words into our hearts and into our lives. 
into our very being. So thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whom we will and always will remember. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So in Acts 8, um, just a quick uh, preview before we jump into the text for today. Um, Acts 8, verses 1 to 3, the church is now scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Uh, just prior in Acts 7, Stephen was martyred, and from that point on, there was this uh, persecution that was happening to the church. Then in uh, verses 4 to 8, Philip is now finding himself in the city of Samaria. And then in verses 9 to 13, Philip starts to preach Christ. And lo and behold, the Samarians believe. Word of this gets out and gets back to Jerusalem that this is what's happening in Samaria. So Peter and John, the kind of, the, you know, the two beloved uh, gospels, uh, uh, not gospels, but the uh, apostles, if you will, they hear about what's happening in Samaria, that these people are accepting the gospel, so they have to travel there to see it for themselves. Lo and behold, the apostles lay hands on the Sumerians and the Holy Spirit is given to them as well as confirmation of who they are and the extension of the gospel. Peter and John return to Jerusalem preaching all the way through Samaria, which leaves us with Philip in Samaria, right? Well, actually, God has other plans for Philip, so let's read what happens next, and I'm going to invite Emily Reed uh, to come on up and to read that for us here this morning. If you would be so kind to follow along with her, that'd be awesome. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is, this is the passage of the scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of, of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. All right. Thank you, Emily. Thus far, the reading of God's word. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So imagine, if you will, that you are a salesperson for a large corporation, and you are one of their top salespersons. You have just entered a new territory, Edmonton, and you have done well. So well, in fact, that the sales managers from the head office in Calgary come up to see the good work that you are doing. They are impressed. 
And so they begin to work with you to finish the sales, to close the deals, to, to seal the contract. You know, high fives for everyone. Good job. Well done. Yes. And then the sales managers leave to go back to their head office and they are so pumped up that they start selling more in the territory that you just opened up. Another testament to your good work. But then imagine that the owner of the company hears about your good work and she sends you out to start another territory. Go north, she says, up that secondary highway, the one that leads to that deserted town up by the lake. Uranium City was a boom town until the mines closed it in 1982. Uranium City is now a ghost of a town. 200 people at best living in Uranium City right now. Now you, as this salesperson, you have to wonder, like, what? What have I done that I'm being sent to an empty, desolate place? What possibly can I accomplish there? It's like being sent to the Foreign Legion. It's like being sent to the Siberian Front. But go you do, for you have been sent. And so you do, hesitantly, wondering if this is the end of your career. This is Philip's plight as he leaves Samaria in the north and goes down to Jerusalem and then towards Gaza. Gaza was a town in ruins. It had been conquered many years ago. Philip is sent down the highway to a city destroyed. And he has to be thinking, what am I doing here? As if on cue, the Holy Spirit directs Philip to go to a certain chariot to stay near it. So Philip does, and he hears the man inside reading from the scroll of Isaiah. The man in the chariot is a God-fearing man. He is studying the scriptures to know more about this God that the Israelites call Jehovah. So Philip asks him, do you understand what you are reading? And the man inside says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And the next thing we know is that Philip is in the chariot reading the scroll with the man. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Tell me, the man says, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told the man the good news about Jesus. The man obviously received the good news, for as soon as there was a body of water besides the road, the man said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? So Philip and the man entered the water together, and the man was baptized. When they came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit whisked Philip away, never to be seen again by the man in the chariot. Now, this is a fascinating story that we have here. Philip, who preaches the gospel quite successfully in the town of Samaria, is sent to a desolate place where he encounters one man, whom he is to teach and then baptize before he is taken away. What do you make of this story? What do you think is going on here? 
Well, one of the remarkable things in this story is actually what comes out of the story. The man in the chariot is an Ethiopian. He was a God-fearing man, a Gentile, but God-fearing nonetheless. And today, Ethiopia claims to have 65% of its population as Christians. They are indigenous Christians, for they did not receive a missionary, and thus they are not to be counted as a converted country. No, their claim to Christianity can be traced back all the way to Philip and the eunuch. 2,000 years after this Acts 8 incident, Ethiopia is still Christian. But perhaps more fascinating is that this Ethiopian was a eunuch. A a eunuch was someone who accidentally or voluntarily was castrated so that they could not or would not engage in sex. And this eunuch was an important official. He was the eunuch in charge of the treasury of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The king of Ethiopia was considered to be a god, and as such, he didn't do any work. So the queen did all the work, and she ruled the kingdom, and she oversaw all the transactions. But she was still the queen, belonging to the king. So no other man was to have contact with her. Enter the role of eunuchs. Not considered male anymore, having had their parts removed, they could interact with the queen. Having their parts removed made them more feminine. Here are two pictures of modern-day eunuchs in India. You can see that their masculinity is not only masked, but they are now quite feminine. These pictures would be an accurate depiction of eunuchs 2,000 years ago. Back then, as today, they are considered a third gender, for they do not belong in the other two classifications. Now, what makes this story of an Ethiopian eunuch so fascinating is the religious context of Judaism. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1 says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. The Hebrew language of the Deuteronomy text says that no one having their parts bruised, wounded, or cut off may enter the house of the Lord. These people, voluntary or accidentally becoming a eunuch, are not welcome. Now, it's long suspected that this exclusion of eunuchs has to do with procreation. If you are not able to procreate, then you are prohibited from joining in with the God of creation. The same was true of every woman having her monthly period. Entry into the assembly of God at that time was prohibited. Eunuchs, accidental or voluntary, were excluded from the assembly. So back to Philip and the eunuch in the chariot. The eunuch says, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip says, verse 37, which was not read here today. It's not in all the manuscripts, but there's a footnote in your Bible probably telling you that verse 37 says, Philip said to the eunuch, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
the eunuch orders the chariot to stop and the eunuch is baptized. He is accepted into the kingdom of God. There are no conditions given, just acceptance. The eunuch is not told that he will have to have his parts grow back. The eunuch is not told that he is unworthy. The eunuch is accepted and baptized in the name of Jesus. Fascinating, is it not? Well, maybe not that fascinating if you take into account Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, verses 3 and 4 read like this. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Now, I don't know how you read this text, but what I make of it is that God has compassion on all peoples. Let no foreigner be excluded from my people. And God goes out of his way to include eunuchs. This is a contradiction. No, no, no. This is a reversal of the Deuteronomy text. Where once they were not allowed, now they are not only welcome, but they are to be honored with distinction above other sons and daughters. Theirs will be an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Cut off. The same word is used in Deuteronomy 23 verse 1. Cut off. And yet theirs will be an everlasting name that will not be forsaken. So the only condition for inclusion into the faith is that they have chosen the Lord. Both the foreigner and the eunuch, they have chosen the Lord. The kingdom of God is extended to those once considered outside of the faith. So let's take note of what we learned here. God starts out his people with strict parameters. Who's in and who's out? Like a fence that goes up around a cattle farm, keeping the cattle inside of the fence and keeping other cattle from getting in or even keeping predators from getting in. But there's a fence all the way around. The Gentiles, the foreigners, and the eunuchs are definitely on the outside of that fence. But then in Isaiah, the Lord prophesies that a time will come when both the foreigner and the eunuch will be accepted into the kingdom of God. And 700 years later, Philip is extending the kingdom of God first to the foreigners in Samaria and then to a eunuch. Fascinating, is it not? God starts out with a narrow scope and then he extends the boundaries out. There are no conditions required other than that you choose the Lord. Like cows drawn to the well of living water there in the center of the field. There are no fences, only an open invitation to drink. And today... We are the descendants of God's extension. We are recipients of the kingdom of God, foreigners that we are. It is as if we were simply asked, are you thirsty? Then come, drink. 
It was not asked of us if we were worthy. No, we are simply asked if we were thirsty. God accepts us as we are. He doesn't say, clean up your act first. He doesn't say, well, if only you would do this one thing before coming into my house. No, he simply says, I will start with where you are at. Come on in and I will give you something to drink. So now I wonder, what have we demanded of others that God doesn't demand? Have we placed conditions on people excluding them from faith in Jesus unless they meet our conditions? God extends love to the thirsty, not just the worthy. So how have we held back our love? How have we not extended the invitation of faith to others because we have judged them unworthy? I'd like to invite you to just share amongst your table for a minute or so just who comes to mind when you think about exclusion the way that it has now just been described. So just take a minute. I'll call you back. We won't take too long. All right, let me uh, bring this uh, message to a close. The eunuch said, look, water, living water, can I be baptized? And the once seedless man becomes a seed in the kingdom of God. This is the upside down kingdom of God invitation. The once seedless man becomes a seed. And we participate in that kingdom. And so the same call is placed on our lives. We've been exposed to the goodness of God. We embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord. We engage in what he calls us to do. And we are equipped as we need it to be equipped. And then we extend the kingdom of God out to those who are thirsty. So who do you know today? That is thirsty? Did you come to mind people of whom you can extend the invitation? We, like Philip, are the ones who are to extend the kingdom of God out to others, even if it seems like a stretch. Let no one judge and say you are only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To those who love me dearly, to those who choose what pleases me, to those who hold fast to my promises, to them I will give a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be forsaken. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to Jesus and extend to them the kingdom of God. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we have looked back to the beginning of the church as we understand it from your word. We saw how you caused things to be, 
perhaps even allowed conflict to happen so that there was a diaspora of people spreading out and that the word then got out to other regions that perhaps might not have happened if there was no oppression. And yet in the midst of all this, Lord, we see your grace, we see your love, and we see your invitation that you have for all peoples to come back into relationship with you. Lord, we are in awe of your works. May your name be praised throughout the heavens and the earth. Amen. So somehow I kind of repeat, but if you have been exposed to the kingdom and to the goodness of God, and please know that it is always from God to you. So if, if you are new to this, if you've just been exposed to the goodness of God, and if you want to embrace Jesus as Lord, if you want to engage in his kingdom and you are interested in joining us here at the river, and if we can help equip you and you help equip us, then we would like to extend this invitation to any and to all of you to join us here at the river and partner with us in striving to love people, ignite faith, and transform lives. This is the invitation given to us all. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this recording. Just a reminder that you can find our website at rivercommunity.ca. There you can find our events calendar with information about upcoming messages and gatherings, or sign up for currents. Feel free to send us a message on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Our services start 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, and you are welcome to come early for coffee, tea, and bagels. Have a great week. Bye-bye.